Bibles to Matthew. Matthew. And I've got three markers in my Bible. In the day and the age we're in, I found myself turning on the news just for a little bit this morning to catch up, to catch what was happening in the Middle East and in the Asia, South Asia, and different parts of the country. And it's uh, it's uh, changing times we're in, to say the least. But uh, the next couple of messages will be about that subject in particular. I think we all we all pay a little bit of attention to the news now more than normal. If nothing else, it affects our pocketbooks. But spiritually, it should be of awareness to each one of us what's going on. Uh, we're in a we're in precarious times to say the least, but the message this morning is in regards to that. Uh, let's go to chapter 24. The subtitle in my Bible, which doesn't mean much, but it sums up a little bit what we're going to look at, the destruction of the temple and the signs before the end. And you know, the end times, I've, I've, I've probably been around enough that I know what Bill, Bill Cream commercials are about and all the other shaving commercials about, the ones along the road he talked about in Sunday school. But I've seen preachers preach about the end times all my life. One time I got, my mother-in-law looked so forward to the end times, she did not want to die. And she did a good job at putting it off. And uh, she did not want to die. And uh, I got so fed up with her talking about the end times and uh, how the world was going to end. And I was 16 years old at the time. And I sure wasn't looking forward to dying. I, was, I became a Christian, I told her, so that I could live and live more abundantly. And that's, that's what I did. And it was because I became a Christian that I got to live as long as I'm standing here before you today. My brothers and sisters are, well, I didn't have any sisters, but my brothers and other people I know in Christ even uh, evidence that uh, they have gone. I've seen a lot of people go on before me. And I think the only reason is because at early in my life I decided to dedicate and do the best I could to live biblically. I, I, I'm not going to tell you I was a saint and I accomplished it because I'm still struggling with living biblically as much of, uh, as all of us are. But that's one reason I've had a wonderful, joyous life. But I'm looking forward now to the end. It's, it's coming. I've seen preachers talk about it and talk about it, and they go, if this and if that, and they got to put all these things into place. And I remember when they, when they argued about whether the, uh, how was these two witnesses for Christ, Moses and Elijah, they contend, were going to die, and how were they going to see them all the way around the world? And I didn't put that together until probably in the late 80s, maybe 90s, when Billy Graham preached in China or Japan, and we watched him all the way around the world, live. And so other things are falling into place. And from what I read in my Bible prophetically, in regards to the end times, it's all there. It's all in place. And uh, we're going to pick this up where the apostles 
we're looking to the end times. In fact, some people would argue with you, me, uh, with individuals would argue about Judas looking forward to the end times and that he was actually trying to usher the kingdom in by turning in Christ. And there was other arguments that he actually was a zealot for the revolution and wanted to usher Christ uh, into forcibly changing the whole outlook of Israel in the regards to the revolution that he was part of, or theoretically he was uh, involved with. Subconsciously, he's, he was all part of the revolutionary movement. And if you remember Barabbas, and if you know your history a little bit, there was another, Barabbas was suspected of being part of that same movement that Judas was originally in, if you study your history in a secular point of view. But didn't happen, did it? Every generation had its fears. When I was a kid, everybody was selling their camper, and they were buying a little cement hut and burying it in their front yard. People with beautiful, living in the subdivisions with yards no bigger than, than what the sidewalks would allow for, maybe a 12 by 12 front yard that they mowed with electric lawnmower. Of course, they didn't have electric lawnmowers back then, but you could mow them with one now. They'd dig that all up and stick a big cement tube in there and say that was their shelter they were going to hide from the, from the fallout from the nuclear wars and stuff. And the generation before that was going to get froze out. We were all going to get froze by the Ice Age. It was just going to coat us all, and we were all going to get... Now we're all going to get die of heat stroke from... from you know, it just... Every generation has its own fears, some of them justifiable as we realize how finite life is. It's not... We're not... None of us are going to live forever. Well, in a sense, our spirits are going to live forever. But none of us are going to inhabit this earth forever. Even when we come back with the millennial reign of Christ, that'll only be a thousand years. A thousand years, though, seems like forever. By the way, we're going to be married, what, 50 years? And it seems like forever. I like that. I can't, I can't. Whenever I think of forever, I just, so glad the Lord's allowed me to be with my wife for 50 years. My bride. All right, we're going to look at the destruction of the temple. And Jesus went out and departed, verse 20, verse Chapter 24, verse 1. And this is when the apostles come to Jesus, and they're worried and concerned about the end times, and, and the heat, because Christ spoke of them. And we'll, we'll look at some of that later uh, tonight, probably. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the, buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that should not be thrown down. Later on in the book of Luke, I believe it is, look at my notes, in Mark 15, 29, they were going to accuse him of uh, destroying the temple. The temple was, the, 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 there was two temples in Israel, and this is the second temple that's being rebuilt. The first temple King Solomon built about a thousand years before Christ was born. Herod the Great, in appeasement to the Jewish people, he was the king of Judea at the time, appointed by the Roman parliament, and appointed by his father, his father to a degree. He was one of four siblings. 
and he was in charge of Judea. And to appease the Hebrew people, he helped build the temple. The temple was 46, 48 years in existence being built. They didn't build it. Uh, even we're talking about building a church, it's going to be a year at least once they start breaking ground before it's done, before what we contract to be done. The temple was 46 years being built, or 48 years. It was finished seven years before Christ was crucified. So they showed him this probably a little bit before this or that, or estimates these are dates, because he was his ministry was only three years long on earth. But they showed him, he's seen this temple, they had just finished it, and they showed him this beautiful monument of this kind. And he says it's going to be destroyed. And he was talking about his body, and we know that from what we can look back into Scripture and see, but at the same time, he was talking literally about that temple. Because in another 40 years, that temple wasn't even around much more than 80 years from when they broke ground. The Romans came in and had a war with the Jewish empire, the Jewish Hebrew culture, the people, the individuals, the church, and they had a war with them and took that temple apart stone by stone. They had burnt it and expelled the people and killed the congregations that were in it and then tore it down stone by stone. That prophecy came to completion. And uh, that is the history of that temple. Right now, the Jews are building a temple there, not in... uh, They've got it all mapped out. They've got it all planned. They've got underground chasms there. I've been told that they have all their uh, articles that are in Leviticus and uh, in, about the priest and their garments and their robes and their altars and everything is all completed, sitting aside in a secret spot. They even get together and practice. They can't perform, but they can practice some of the Hebrew rituals that will take place in the temple. The only thing that's stopping them from finishing the temple, where it's at, is they don't own all the original ground that the temple was on it. There's, If you go over there, there's a place of the rock, they call it, and that's the Muslims' holy ground, and that's the Muslims' holy temple, and that's why the Muslims hate the Jews so much. That's why the uh, Philistines, or, uh, okay, uh, the uh, other groups of people around there, the Arabian groups of people around there, do not like the Jews. They have written in their law, in their, in their common law, that if you have a deed to a piece of property, if you can produce the oldest deed to a piece of property, you own it. And the Jews have produced the Bible as evidence of their property. property. And that's what the wars are about essentially. And as soon as that gets resolved, and uh, they'll have that temple built. And uh, it doesn't take long now. It won't take no 46 years to build that temple. What I'm going to share with you today could happen in a week. We've seen how fast they rolled into Russia. And like I shared in Sunday school, they're, uh, they're a little bit uh, apprehensive now, to say the least. He thought uh, the communists thought they would roll into Russia, Putin, and they would all bend over and, and uh, lay down their arms and wouldn't even gather them and 
In fact, our nation's president asked him the other day if he wanted a ticket, their president, the Ukrainian president, wanted a ticket out of there. He arranged for them to come and get him. And he says, I don't want a ticket, I want bullets. And that was their resistance to Russia. So they're meeting a lot of apprehensions and a lot of resistance. But in a day, it could all change. They've already threatened with nuclear activity. And you read your scriptures about fire descending from heaven, you'll see it come from heaven. It won't be, it'll come originate from hell, but it'll rain down like it's coming from heaven. When a nuclear bomb goes off, I've driven by where they tested it, not close, 23 miles from it, and you could still see the results of the fire that took place. They've been fenced off so you can't get in there. And they don't want you close to it because it's such a radioactive place of destruction. In fact, my son worked at a, a nuclear power plant and was in charge of filling the rods. He could only work, he was only contracted for six months at a time and could only do that for a number of years because if he would have kept up working for them consistently, he would have glowed in the dark eventually and had to be <laughs> and destroyed himself for this job. Every time he came away from a nuclear power plant, they'd have to uh, test him and see what, how much the Geiger counter would say he was worth. <laughs> and so it's a, a terrible thing we've arranged for, but that's already been threatened by the Russians within the last week. To turn that loose, that kind of destruction, on any nation that aids the Ukrainians right now. So you see how close we can be escalated into a, a dramatic war. Uh, uh, the end of the world, probably. I, I, I'm going to read on and get back to the point. Number three, and he sat upon, that's Jesus, the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came unto him privately, privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of the coming of the end of the world? There's three things they're really asking him. What shall these things be is about the temple that I went into elaborate detail about it being destroyed. They wanted to know when that temple was going to be destroyed. And that was their signal of unity. That temple was, but actually the Romans helped them build it. And so that we know, that, that's complete. The other question is, then shall, the, it says, what shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? That's the second question, and of the end of the world. That's the third question. So they posed three questions to him. The first one, we've already discussed the answer. Well, we didn't discuss it. You listened to me tell you about it. But that's the answer. The first one's out of the way. What do we got to look forward to now? What's going to be when before the end of the world? What shall the signs of thy coming? What are the signs of the coming? And Jesus answered and said unto them. Now, this is Christ's answer to those three questions. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be, ye, that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Go over in your mind and see where we're at in that verse right there. 
We've got cults that they drank Kool-Aid and killed themselves off. We've got great preachers that have fallen because of greed and pride. Uh, some of that's been answered. Now, there's another thing that comes into play when you talk about end times and these end times. Communications are such, as I gave you with the illustration of the two, uh, Moses and Elijah, possibly being the saints that die in Jerusalem and everybody sees it around the world. One reason we have, and it's been argued, we hear rumors of wars and wars and all this kind of stuff is because our communications are so vast now, we're able to hear about what's going on in another country. Well, that's fulfillment of that prophecy right there. Our communications are such that if Brother Fred Enzyme fell over dead tomorrow, people in Japan, if they thought it was important enough, <laughs> they would know it. They'd know why. That's why when somebody dies in a prison not too long ago, they couldn't even tell you who did it. Uh, there's just so much. When our communications gets messed up, that's the devil at work. There is a verse that if you're really into it, into fear, the devil is the prince and the power of the air. And I'm having trouble getting TV right now. Not TV, but uh, Newsmax on my... Sirius XM station because I can't get the antenna to, in the right spot on this building to suck in the signal out of the air. We're going to be assigned a frequency on the air very shortly here so our radio station can put out 99, up to 99 watts and become a significant power in this country, significant witness in this country for Christ all on the airways. And as much as they try to regulate them, the controller of the airways is who? The prince and the power of the air. And that's Lucifer himself. I won't give you the verse because that's a commercial. That's not really part of the message. The message is, for many shall come in my name, okay, verse 6, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, and that's past tense. They must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, wow, I was always under the impression, you know, you read this, that, you know, once we heard all that stuff, it was inevitable. Well, it could be. For nations shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Well, I never seen a place an earthquake took place that everybody expected it to. Really haven't, uh, and we we lived in tornado country in Kansas, and the, as much as we knew we were in tornado alley, we never really expected one in diverse places, and so we're going to see this all come to pass, and they are the beginning of sorrows. There's three things that take place here: the beginning of sorrows, the abomination of desolation verse 15, and then you go over to verse 29, and you see the, uh, the uh, end of the whole thing, and immediately after the tribulation in those days, there'll be the coming of Christ. So there's three things that are going to take place. I will grant you that we are in the second phase of the end of the world. Everything's in place. Everything's in place. But how long is it going to be? How long is the Lord, in his own words, tarries? It's completely upon his 
And my message for you this morning is to impress upon you the need for us to be ready. Now, I've got, I just got for Christmas a 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun. And I, it's got Big Bear written on the side of it. No, I'm going to put Big Bear on the side of it. The next time he rolls around a garbage can, I will be tempted, but I will not succumb. <laughs> I hope. But it's not for the end of the world, although it might help. But I want to be prepared not physically as much as I want to be prepared spiritually. Because when the Roman Empire came in and swept out the Hebrew people and dispersed them across the country and killed and crucified a lot of them and just wiped everything out, that was part of God's plan. And that was spiritual versus the worldly. That was the flesh versus the church. That was spiritual, uh, that was God versus the devil and his powers. Oh, the devil has powers? Yeah, it says in the Bible, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I'll read it to you when I get back to my notes, but it's powers in high places. The devil has control over that. Right now, he's sitting at Putin's right hand. He's He's not picking on me or Brother Kevin. Although he's got opportunity, plenty of opportunity. Brother Kevin's getting into his tax season, and he's going to be busy with those numbers. <laughs> and he's after me because I'm starting a fight with him right now. And so we have to be prepared spiritually for the end times, not a fight with Brother Kevin, a fight with the devil. Uh, <laughs> We're being prepared. we got to be prepared spiritually right now for those end times. If the devil showed up here tonight, where would you be? If God showed up and had a battle with the devil tonight in this nation, where would you be? How about tomorrow? How about Wednesday? How about Sunday morning? Where would you be? Would you be there? Then shall they deliver you up to the afflicted and shall kill you, verse 9, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. We're starting to get the bad name now as Christians. Starting to show up in court that we're, what do they call us, nationalist or? uh, Terrorist, yeah, national terrorist or terrorist, yes. That's, they're just, they're getting prepared. It's close. Like I said, this thing could take place in the twinkling of an eye as we see the rapture, but it could take place in a generation or two. And then shall many offend and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. You'll get turned in by your neighbors. You can get turned in by your neighbors for kicking your dog now. You can get turned in by your neighbors for spanking your kids. I was in an apartment with a missionary from Chicago, and his boy was acting up. And he was a little terror. He needed a spanking. And uh, we were in a subdivision, and he took the little boy and had him put his hands on the couch, and we all cleared out of the living room, and he gave him a spanking. He didn't realize the kitchen windows were open, the dining room window was open, rather. And the neighbor across the street was doing her, uh, he was doing the dishes, and he looked out and seen this guy with a belt in his hand. 
turned them in, we got a call from the police department. We didn't get a call. We got a call, a physical call from the police department for him spanking his kid. This took place probably 25, 30 years ago. Now, he explained to the officer that he had every right to spank his child, and his child didn't have any marks. He didn't wail on him or do anything in really inappropriate. He, he was a Baptist preacher, by the way, a preacher of the gospel anyways. And he was ready to get arrested. That was 25 years ago. What's it going to be like in another 25 years? When Christ walked out and looked at the temple, they were trying to impress upon him how this beautiful Ephesus is going to outlast you by a long shot. Outlast all of us. You can take your comfort in things of this world. Little and short is that comfort. Better turn to the Lord. He knows the timetable. He knows the scale. He knows what you should be doing. I want to be at least found in the saddle, so to speak. I want to die with my boots on, so to speak. I don't want to be caught flat-footed. I don't want to be caught barefooted when the Lord comes. Where are you going to be clothed spiritually? I'm washed in the blood. I'm prepared for the battle. I'm ready for the coming of Christ. I want to be prepared. We need to be prepared. There are far more things more important than success in this world. My Bible says, fear not the one that can kill you. Fear more the one that can destroy you spiritually. That's paraphrased. And many false prophets shall rise up, shall deceive many, and because of the iniquity shall abound Thy love for many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now that saved refers to us in a physical format more than a spiritual format. It doesn't, uh, you won't get saved because you endured all that. You will be saved as you endure all that. And this, this gospel of the kingdom shall, what's the gospel of the kingdom? It's the gospel of heaven. The fact that Jesus Christ came down to this earth and provided us a way to get to heaven, and that's through his body and blood. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world for a witness unto the nations that then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, that is a direct reference to the old testament from the new testament don't be deceived we're not new testament people we're people of god and the whole bible is what we go by it's a whole different story you take the back half of this scripture off two-thirds of your book gets cut out you're pretty helpless you might be saved you might even live a spiritual life to a degree but you won't have a victorious spiritual life as much as you would if you had the Old Testament with you and took the understandings and the lessons that are laid out there and brought them into the New Testament. I don't like being called a New Testament church. We're a church. We're a church that believes in Jesus Christ as our Savior. It happens to be the New Testament era we're living in, and I don't have big beef with it. But at the same time, I'm not throwing out the Old Testament with it. I'm not going to be caught 
flat-footed without the new without the old testament in my pocket you can have peace of mind now knowing what this verse actually refers to we're in the answer to that question we'll look at tonight even yet tonight but the very most important answer to that question is yes strike one and the pitcher's getting ready to throw the ball for strike two and it's sailing down the plate 96 to 99 miles an hour is what they pitch at and it's coming where are you going to be when the bat swings? Two will be down, and three will come right afterwards. You turn in your Bible and look at the next couple of verses over, and you'll see that Christ blesses the servant whom, okay, we'll go to the next. And except in those they should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, that's the ones that have accepted Christ, these days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ. No, no, behold, there's a lot of deception that's going to take place. But he'll get to verse 29. How many verses is that? We're in verse uh, about 15. When the time ends, 1, 15 to 29 is another 15 verses. Is that 15 years? Is that 15,000 years? Is that 1,500 years? Is that 15 days? Is that 15 minutes? I don't know. But we should be ready. We should be prepared. We should be putting a little more stock into what we're doing for God than what we're doing for ourselves. Let's all stand. I don't want to be too direct. At the same time, uh, this is the most pleasant part of this message. I have other portions of scripture here. If you want to know where, where I'm at and what I'm struggling with preaching, you can read chapter 24, chapter 23, and you'll see in chapter 25, and you'll see where I'm at. Now, we'll look at uh, the last half of this, and we'll see what angels have to do with that. It'll probably be the last time we talk about angels uh, for a while. We're going to go back to the, in the evenings, we're going to go back to the study of Samson, because I promised you I'd finish that up. I haven't explored it totally. I don't have all the answers I want from it. But at the same time, we'll look at it together in the next few weeks, and we'll finish some of the th stories of Samson. But I want you to be prepared. I'm not, I am certain that the world's going to end. I've seen many preachers tell me that. And maybe I'll see it, maybe I won't. And I'm almost as certain, but not quite, that some of the, somebody in this room may see the end of the world. It's totally possible. There's no ifs or explanations that need to take place. It's just a matter of God tarrying. I want to impress upon you this morning. Think more about what's going to happen after that than what happens before that. Are you ready? Are you ready?